Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Welcome to uh, today's edition of the podcast. I'm just calling it the podcast now because there's some confusion about the branding, but we'll figure it out. Uh, so anyway, uh, I thought I'd give you an update on the biotech uh, leveraged thing we're doing in uh, what I guess is still Ventures Next. It's a morphing into Nugent Capital. So uh, we're short 150 100 put spread on Moderna, symbol MRNA. And Moderna is now at 141. And it did not pop on the uh, EUA thing. So it's down like a buck today, 143. So we're seven bucks out of the money on that. But I think we got paid six bucks. So net of the the premium we got for selling the 150 put, I think we're about break even on the trade. So it we rolled it out. It was a, a December 24 expiration. We rolled it out to December 30. So, uh, or maybe it is December 24th. Yeah, it's it's still at December 24th. So, you know, uh, we're hoping for a Christmas present there. All it's got to do is get up to like 151 and we clean 100% of the profit on it. Uh, we also are short the 118.70 put spread, very wide spreads. And we were so confident in these stocks that we didn't really care about the limitation on the downside. Um, so when you have a spread like that, in that case, your maximum loss is uh, 48 bucks minus whatever you got for the spread. So, and I don't know exactly how much we got paid for that insurance uh, of Biontech at the 118 strike. But, um, you know, we're, last time I looked at Biontech, it was, I think, in the low hundreds. So, again, we're not, not in the, was it 106, I think, the last time I looked at it. So, uh, but, you know, that's the way it goes. So, so we're kind of in a precarious situation, but not that bad. Uh, at the most, at the worst, I think we'll probably lose just a few bucks or we might break even or better. So, uh, not the end of the world. But it, this is an example of, you know, going back to the well once too often maybe. But... Uh, you know, we did figure that these stocks could, had nowhere to go but up, uh, which is probably not the case, obviously, so far at least. So we'll see what happens. Now, you always have the option of, you know, managing that position. It's kind of, options trading is kind of like wrestling. And when I was a wrestler in high school, I often wondered why I was doing that. And I wondered even more after I graduated. But one of the things wrestling teaches you is you're always, you know, adjusting your position relative to the other idiot. Yeah, Biontech's down today. It's down to 105. So we're at 118 and the stock's at 105. So we're not we're not looking that good there. But um, And I think guys are just taking profits on it, you know, uh, which I get. But both of those companies have other 
things in the pipeline. So I think they're I think this would be a good time to take a position in them, honestly, now that they're beat up a little bit, particularly Moderna. Steve Weiss on Fast Money was banging on the table about it. That was his uh, closing pick today. So, Because they have like 24 products in the pipe. I thought it was 12. It's like 20-something. So that whole technology has really proven itself, and you can apply it to oncology. Uh, the, the, the couple that started Biontech, physician couple, their experience is in oncology. So, you know, I think those are going to be long-term winners. Whether they're going to go where we want them to go by uh, by, by the December 20th, Christmas Eve, I don't know. So, But you're always managing your position, and so what we may want to do with those puts is roll them over to, like, the first January weekly because if people are selling as I did... Um, my financial guy just told me to sell some of the winners I have uh, because the it looks like there's a good possibility the camp gains tax are going to go up in uh, the Biden administration. Now, what's less certain is whether they'll go up in the first year. I would. There's two plausible arguments. One is that you do that stuff early uh, because the voters forget. But in this case, most of the voters are going to love it anyway because it's. Most voters, particularly Democratic voters, don't make four hundred grand a year, and that's where he wants to stick it to people. So um, it doesn't matter to me, unfortunately. But um, it did at one time, but it doesn't now. So uh, I don't know if he'll do it in year one or year two. Uh, you know, midterms coming up in a couple of years. Maybe you want to do that in campaign season, so you help out some of the progressive people who are going to have conservative challenges, and they can say they tax the rich. I don't know. But I don't know, and that's the whole point. Um, I The big don't know is what happens on January 5th. So, uh, you know, if the Republicans only manage to win one of those two races in, in the Senate runoffs, then Biden won't really be able to do anything on tax rates for at least two years. If they don't win one, then I think Biden can do a lot of things that are going to be real hazardous to your wealth. So you take that risk off the table by taking your gains now. And if you're in that boat and you're thinking about what to do, uh, you know, one of the things you can do is you can do... uh, you can sell like SPY and you can buy something similar like the S&P 500 ETF. You can take that money and buy a mutual fund that's an S&P 500. Uh, or you can, uh, you know, you have to be careful of what they call a wash sale, which is you don't want to jump uh, from something into something identical, right? You certainly don't want to sell SPY and then buy it back. You have to wait 30 days. And you can't really do that if you're hoping to catch a January updraft. So, you know, you could sell the spiders. And uh, if you're an options trader, you could go buy some deep-in-the-money spider options. But if you're not an options trader, and even that, you know, talk to your attorney or your CPA or whatever. But there's other ways to do it. you know, if you've got a bunch of biotechs, for example, you could go buy IBB, which is the biotech ETF. Uh, so that's kind of an equivalent thing. 
So there's a lot of ways to do it without getting yourself into a wash sale scenario from the IRS. Uh, and uh, if not, you know, you can just go to cash and go back in, dollar cost average your way back in. Uh, I think the risk is to the upside next year for sure. Um, now, the other thing I wanted to comment on was Bitcoin. Bitcoin went up to 24000 and it's nuts. Now it's down to twenty-two. But once it broke through 19, and Carter Worth, Carter the Charter, called it. He said, this is the most uh, bullish chart I've ever seen when it broke through that 19 level. And the argument is that the dollar is going to drop in value, and therefore anything that is an, uh, an asset, which Bitcoin can be looked at. There's a limited supply of it. Uh, I don't think it's a current... I'm watching a commercial for it right now. They're pounding commercials, and they're pitching it as an alternative to gold with, quote, utility, meaning you can actually do transactions. And apparently it's being widely adapted by people on uh, some of the PayPal type of platforms. So, you know, you can pay for stuff with it. Now, the volatility involved to me is is frightening, but the trader mentality is that volatility is good. Now, if it goes up the proverbial uh, stairs and down the down the elevator, that could change a lot faster than a dollar changes value. You know what I mean? I mean, when you're in dollars, your your currency fluctuates every day, but not that rapidly. I mean, you never see the dollar like double in or drop by fifty percent in two or three months, which is exactly what's happened here to Bitcoin. So that can go both ways, and obviously, if you got in two days ago, you're you're down already. You're down ten percent. So I'm I'm not I'm not playing in that space. But um, there are people who are very very bullish about it, and there are major financial institutions that are starting to take a look at it. Uh, so. It's hard to say. I mean, I anytime I hear about something that if I don't have a password, I just lose all my money, I, I, I that's the end of the conversation for me. And I know a lot of other people whose intelligence I respect that feel the same way about it. So it's not for me, not directly at least. Um, again, it's something you can play with options, uh, you could probably do a position where you sell the straddle, what's called the straddle, which is, uh, let's say the thing's trading at uh, 22000 You basically sell a put and a call at the same uh, at the money strike price. So you're kind of delta neutral on it, and then you protect your positions on both sides, what's called the wings. So essentially you're selling a call spread and you're selling a put spread, and then you buy and sell the underlying to keep your positions delta neutral, and you wait for those short options to expire, and you collect the premium. And hopefully you don't get hurt on the move in the underlying uh, if you manage the position properly. Now, those positions require a lot of margin, and they require a lot of money to buy and sell the shares back and forth. So, you know, it's not, a, not for the amateur. In fact, I don't even know if it's for... Us, 
the supposed experienced veteran traders. But, uh, you know, it, it's a way you can make money. Not without risk, but the risk can be managed. So that's, a, that's probably the only thing I would do on that because I have no idea you know, how that market's going to function, whether it's, what's the real, that's a terribly tough valuation challenge to me. So, it's almost, it's a, it's even tougher than gold, I think. But in any event, um, I don't play in either one of those spaces, but I know probably you guys have been hearing about Bitcoin, and uh, I counsel caution, I guess, is the bottom line. So, what else is going on? Let's see. check the uh, exciting alphas next uh, LinkedIn page, and that you know nobody lives forever, and that includes the alphas next LinkedIn page. It may be changing at least its branding, but if we have fifty six rampant stamping followers, you know uh, that's more than a football team. So I feel like we're starting to gain the critical mass we need to, I don't know, play a game of football. But in any event, I put a couple of posts out there which I will draw your attention to. It's today. What's today's date? It's nice to at least know what day it is, I think. You know, as you get older. So today is Friday the 18th, and uh, so I will work backwards until I... Get tired of doing this. So, uh, you know, I don't like to repeat myself. So, oh, how do you like that? No, this isn't right. Well, anyway. It's telling me to make my first post, and I've been posting on this page for years. So, what's up with that? Well, months at least. And I have earned my 56 followers. Uh, so there's an article out there from the Wall Street Journal, which is opinion, editorial page, and you do have to differentiate, not that most people do, the editorial section of the Wall Street Journal, which is buku conservative, from the news hall, which is the editorial, not the editorial, the news the department, which is not as, you know, doctrinaire, Neanderthal conservative as you might think. So, uh... There's an opinion piece about hijacking the Fed to bail out the states, and there's there's probably, if I were a betting man, which you have to be, whether you like it or not, in the capitalist passive income world, I would bet no stimulus because there's a senator who has thrown in a provision which would essentially prohibit the Fed from pulling a maneuver they pulled during the vaccine or the, the virus crisis, which is... They essentially got some, it, I don't even know if I can describe this, but somehow, the, like the Treasury put up some money that the Fed can then lend against, okay? And it enables the Fed to do a lot of financing and lending that it otherwise couldn't do because the Fed can only lend against assets. They can't grant money. They can't create money. They really have to lend because they're a bank, right? Banks don't really create money. They lend money. And, you know, this is all kind of theoretical finance. Because in reality, they can do anything they want. But 
But they do have congressional uh, mandates to conform to. So during the pandemic, the Treasury gave them some dull, and they were supposed to lend out against that as using that as their you know collateral, I guess. And they can leverage it like it's it's a word called rehypothecation, which is a word that I learned in the financial crisis, because that's how this mortgage disaster happened. Read Michael Lewis's book, The Big Short, and you'll learn what rehypothecation means. Essentially, it's like when you go to the track, right? There's only nine horses, but you know, fifty thousand people can bet on those nine horses. That's kind of what rehypothecation is. So if I've got five hundred million from Treasury, I can essentially use it as collateral for multiple loans, and so you get a leverage factor. It's like when you put money in the bank as a deposit, right? The bank can lend against it infinite times, and that's where all the power of banking comes in. Hey, I come from a banking family. Grandpa, dad, mom, all First National Bank employees. In fact, Grandpa was like one of the first or earliest, you know. So uh, Grandpa was a big shot, and Dad was a peon, and a little downward mobility. And Mom was, you know, that's where she met Dad. So she thought she was marrying into a winner, and, you know, it didn't work out that way. But she, she always said to me, you know, greatness skips a generation, Terry, so... You are you are the shining knight of the Nugent fortune, and well, that's had its ups and downs too. But anyway, that's why I stayed out of banking because my <laughs> my dad didn't have a great reputation in the banking community. So uh, anyway, though, that's how you know it's in the blood. Banking's in the blood here. So uh, even though I never did it as a professional, you know, I have a bank account, but that's about it. So anyway, the. The notion of this is that uh, Biden, once he gets in, will use that same technique and enable the Fed to do a lot of things that Congress can't or won't or may not allow him to do if the if the Republicans win one seat in Georgia at least. And the Republicans are very savvy to that, and they're like, no. That was a one-time thing. You can't do it. It's not a precedent, blah, blah, blah. So that's probably going to kill this, uh, you know, there were some actual, you know, this is like uh, three-card money these guys are playing. Uh, And, you know, they had people's hopes up about a stimulus, and, and now it looks like the Republicans just pulled the ball away from Charlie Brown as he went to kick it again. You know, so uh, probably... My bet now is no stimulus, which has been a safe bet up to now. Moderna just went up to 144, which is good. Uh, maybe uh, Weiss's comment on fast money moved it. I don't know. And uh, so, you know, probably no stimulus. But the end game, I have thought for, for almost seems like forever, is that the feds are going to have to bail out the state of Illinois. And the, the article notes in the Wall Street Journal, only New York, the Metropolitan Transit Authority in New York, and Illinois took advantage of these loans. So, you know, now that we didn't pass the, quote, fair tax, unquote, there's no other way. 
if if the feds don't bail out Illinois, Illinois is going to be history from an economic standpoint. And uh, I think that's what these guys have been counting on all along, you know. And if if Biden gets his Senate majority, I think he'll be able to ram anything through he wants. And so uh, I think that that will be good for Illinois taxpayers. And, you know, there's some Illinois taxpayers like the Lincoln Lobby, and they're like, no, 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 we want to see it crash and burn. Well, I don't, because they don't have the luxury of moving out of the state. And uh, so if, if the feds don't pick up the tab, I have to, and I can't print money unless I want to end up like George Floyd. So, you know, that's not going to happen. I put a little article about a 35-year-old scientist who led Moderna's efforts to create, and she just happens to be a she. So um, I would say I, I entitled my post The Woman Who Saved the World. And if that isn't a good argument for uh, women in the workplace, I don't know what is. So then there's an article which Dan Keegan won't like, How Wrong Was Milton Friedman? A Harvard Team Quantifies the Ways. And this is about this whole ESG movement, uh, environment, sustainability and growth and then there's a social justice you know the idea is that when Friedman touted his theories in the 70s basically said that the corporation has only one duty which is to maximize shareholder value and the question is what is that you know and typically like in the 80s and 90s obviously it was just uh, you know return on investment uh, price equity ratio or price earnings ratio and all that stuff. So uh, that was very single-minded and the idea is that in today's woke world the corporation ought to be measured on non-economic uh, criteria. At least something other than, quote, you know, pure fiscal or financial shareholder value. In other words, how do you value a company? You value it in this guy's view. This is a guy from Harvard, an economist, I think. And he says that you have to factor in social costs. Like if, if Walmart pays its employees so low that they have to go on food stamps, then that's a cost they incur. If they pollute with their trucks, then that's a cost. If they stress people out, then that's a cost in mental health. So in other words, you take the externalities and apply it to the balance sheet, and, and then you provide a new valuation based on those costs. Now, you know, the, the shareholders are, are, you know, get to decide what their value is. So if they want to factor in this ESG stuff, which will probably get gamed a lot, you know, that's their choice. I mean, capitalism is economic democracy. Is that how I'm going to invest? No. Frankly, I mean, I'm in it for the money. And I don't really care, you know, what the externalities are. I grew up two blocks from a steel mill, you know. I mean, externalities were, you know rocketing into the sky every night so and we suck them right in our lungs and we're loving it you know but uh 
so, but the younger investors clearly, you know, they're going to want to do the diversity, and then he wants to factor in diversity. It's it's the whole you know woke woke agenda. And for Mister woke person, I I think that's just Andy. For for Mister uh, Nugent Capital, I, I'm in, I'm I'm neutral. I don't care. I mean, honestly, if ESG raises the stock price and you know gets more business because people patronize. I used to tout a thing called doing well by doing good. You know, and you'd offer a charitable contribution if people bought like Aspen tea. And that didn't seem to resonate, but I think it does now more so than it used to. So if that's, you know, people buy stuff for all sorts of reasons, rational and irrational. So, you know, celebrity endorsements, all that stuff. So people are going to buy more stuff because you're ESG, fine, fine. I don't care, but I'm going to look at it based on my bank account. You know, at Chase, they don't factor in diversity, although they tout it with their employees. They don't care, you know, if you have a diverse staff. They just say how much money you got. So that's all I focus on. But, you know, I'm old and, you know, scrambling for bucks. So, who knows? That may happen, and it may happen as a function of tax policy. You know, you may get surcharges if you're not diverse enough and if you pollute and all that. You know, I mean, if you want to slap a carbon tax in there and drop something else, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But the problem is they won't. You know, they'll just add carbon and value-add and all these other taxes and leave the income taxes where they are and take a bigger market share of GDP and... You know, government is, I worked for the census, and I mean, even the people who worked there called it the Senseless Bureau. If you ever wanted to see an inefficient, ineffective organization, you know, and we were just a temporary operation, so we weren't even civil service. You know, it was pretty easy to fire us. So uh, it, it, was a, it was a disaster. It got done in the end, but, you know, they didn't really get serious about getting it done until we ran out of time, you know. It's like, gotta get it done now. So, it it's, it's, it's ugly to watch. And the more money that goes into the government, uh, I think the, the more that type of nonsense you're going to end up funding. And the more, you know, money is power. So you're giving more power to the government when you give more money. So I am not into it. Uh, I do think, of course, that we need to spend money on defense. So it depends on what you're what you're doing. You know, I think national defense is clearly something that you know you can't do in the private sector. But the fewer people who are tax takers and the more who are taxpayers, the better because not only does it generate tax revenue with the normal rates, but it also reduces demand for federal dollars on the entitlement side. So it's a really virtuous circle. So today, another thing that's happening is these uh, security stocks are going up through the roof. FireEye went up 23%, CyberArk 14, and CrowdStrike 10. So that's, that's a good area to to be long in, I think. Uh, this latest cyber attack is very sophisticated out of Russia, although they deny it. And, uh, you know, when I was in the uh, data business, we our CIO ended up being full-time security. 
because we were sitting on a, you know, treasure trove of data, and we were liable if somebody hacked it. So that became his full-time job, and he said, you know, all you can do is narrow the window. You can never be invulnerable. So there's that. And I think that's a good area to invest. And as we get into the tech thing, we may end up doing that VMware's down because they were part of the problem. So, and the Solar Winds outfit, uh, they they were the source of the of the of the initial hack. So I don't know. I don't even know if they're publicly traded, but you know, it, it's like. You know, the more stuff that moves online, the more crime moves online. So it's just, it's the same as it was in the analog world. I mean, before anybody had a computer that you couldn't, that you could, you know, that that didn't take a warehouse, uh, we got our nuclear secrets stolen by the Russians. So they'll steal it however you have it. You know what I mean? There's nothing new here. And uh, we're probably doing the same thing. They just don't have much to steal. We have to steal back our own stuff, you know. Chinese are doing, everybody's doing it. You know, intelligence has always been stealing. Any information that's out there is subject to to theft. So, you know, that's why we have intellectual property laws in this country. It happens all the time. So anyway, um, just kind of rambling here, I guess, but I see. I remember what I was doing. I was going through... My alpha's next. So I don't know if Milton Friedman was wrong or right. It's just a different perspective. And I talked about the woman who who saved the world. Uh, I put something out there three days ago, and this is probably where I'm going to stop because I'm probably being redundant. It's the polls for the Senate races in Georgia that are looking pretty blue. And, uh, but polls are notoriously unreliable because it's so politically incorrect to be Republican now, that people just don't respond even to polls because they're afraid that is going to hurt their career, you know? And not without reason. So, uh, as the corporate culture has become more woke, you know, you really got to be careful what you say unless, unless what you think is really woke, you know? If you're thought, if you're if your thinking and, and feelings are woke, then you can speak freely. But if they're not, then watch what you say. Unless you're me. <laughs> you know, and you don't care. You know, the luxury of being unemployed and old. Or self-employed, I should say. Is that I can say whatever I want. But still, you know, I could lose customers over it. So, or potential customers. So best to keep your mouth shut, and that's what people do. So um, that's why the polls are not giving you an accurate read, and there are unpleasant surprises at the polls for uh, the woke world. All right, so that's about it. Uh, Half an hour. Half an hour of your life, you'll never get back. I hope you learned something. I hope maybe you got a few chuckles. You know, we seek to entertain and inform. Kind of like Kramer, but on a much lower scale. So this whole breach thing, by the way, FireEye and solar winds, it broke on December 8th. And 
malware between March and June of 2020. So this is <clears throat> perpetrator highly sophisticated. Energy and National Nuclear Security Administration named victims. <coughs> Excuse me. Hey, what could go wrong if it's National Nuclear Security? You know, maybe they can fire off our nukes or turn them off and then fire theirs. No biggie. So. <coughs> if you need something new to worry about, Think about that. All right, so that's it. Live long, prosper. We'll probably be on over the weekend. And if not, I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.